Tonight, 24 million pounds of molasses comes barreling down on a neighborhood in Boston, Massachusetts. I'm Richard. And I'm Gary. And these are our incredible stories. Hello and welcome back to all of our listeners from around the world and across the United States. We're happy to have you back with us for some more exciting, amazing stories. And uh, let me tell you, folks, we have a doozy of a story for you today. <laughs> Do we? <laughs> yeah. And uh, the thing is, uh, I had shared this story with you, Dad, um, and it's one that uh, you hadn't heard of. No. And I only came across it because I was at a Scholastic Book Fair at my school and they had the I Survived book series out. And one of the books was I Survived the Great Molasses Flood. And I thought to myself, that's ridiculous. How could an entire town be flooded with molasses? Yeah. And how could something so sticky and delicious be so deadly? Yeah. It turns out it was real. And it was catastrophic. Absolutely. And, and Gary, uh, it's interesting how sometimes we run across our incredible stories. And like you say, this one you came across by accident. I, I uh, consider myself um, pretty uh, up to date on historical events, but I sure had never uh, heard of this incident before. And so I'm willing to bet a lot of people don't know about this. No, no. So it's going to be incredible tonight. Oh, yeah. Everybody, uh, go ahead and sit back, relax. And uh, at the end of the story, we'll just ponder about, um, you know, how how important our, our lives are and how they can be changed, really, in the, the wink of an eye. By sticky syrup. Yeah. Uh, so you, uh, the... Uh, Children's book that you ran across called it The Great Molasses Flood. Gary, it's also known as the Boston Molasses Disaster. So if somebody were to research this on Google or whatever, they could find it either with The Great Molasses Flood or The Boston uh, Molasses Disaster. Now, it happened way, way back, more than 100 years ago, January 15, 1919, in the North End neighborhood of Boston, Massachusetts. Now, 1919 was um, the year after World War One had come to an end. Uh, so, oh yes. Yeah. So we had just come through uh, a world war. We had come through. Remember that uh, flu uh, panic that occurred then? And uh, yes, yes, the, the, it, the it, first pandemic that yeah, the, uh, the United yeah, States went yeah. Through. So that was a serious pandemic that. The country had just come through and a world war. We had just come through that. And now we have something uh, catastrophic. I'm looking as I'm uh, talking to you, I'm looking at the front page of the Boston Post from back then. Mm. And there is a huge headline that spreads across the entire page. It says, huge molasses tank explodes in North End, 11 dead, 50 Hurt. Oh my gosh. Terrifying. Yes, yes. And so what we had there was it was a large storage tank and it had uh, 2.3 million gallons of molasses. That's a lot of molasses. Sure. Uh, it weighed approximately 12,000 tons. So I did the math 12,000 tons times 2,000 pounds in each ton. 
we're looking at 24 million pounds of sticky molasses that comes crashing down on this neighborhood. Holy cow. And uh, that wave of molasses, it ran through the streets, Gary, at an estimated 35, million, uh, 35 miles per hour. So guess what? If you saw it coming, there was no way to escape it. How is it moving so fast? Molasses is the slowest moving thing I, I've ever know, seen. In my life. I know. You Just, try and pour that out of a jar, it takes about 12 minutes for it to hit the toast. <laughs> That's right. For whatever reason, it took 30 miles an hour uh, coming out of a tank. 35 miles an hour. Well, I think it was because it was such a humongous weight, you know, a humongous mm. volume that just gave it that speed. And uh, actually, it injured 150 people. It killed 21 of them. And uh, for decades, not just a few years, but for decades afterwards, Gary, you could go in that area and you could still smell molasses. Oh, my gosh. You know, Years and years later. That, that's a lot of processed sugar because I'm looking it up because I was thinking molasses, does that come from trees like mm -hmm. syrup? Syrup. Mm -hmm. Uh, but it actually comes from either sugar beets or sugar cane. Ah. That's a lot of harvesting and processing of sugar yeah. to get that much molasses. How, it, why, why would they need to make that much? I mean. How did it happen, in oh, other words? That's, that's my, mm -hmm. besides the fact that that's a lot of molasses, how could something so catastrophic happen that people were killed by such sticky goodness? And now the rest of the story. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Channel that, uh, Paul Harvey. Yeah. January 15, 1919. Bum, bum, bum. The temperatures in Boston had uh, risen above 40 degrees. And now I uh, was born in and used to live in, as a child, New England. Yeah. I, I, I phrased that kind of awkwardly, didn't I? Okay. I used to live in New England as a child. Did you know? That okay. sounds better, doesn't that it? That does sound better. <laughs> and <clears throat> I can tell you uh, from experience that New England winters can be harsh. And sure I mean they can. cold with the capital K or C. C. Okay. <laughs> so anyways, uh, 40 degrees, I mean, that was kind of temperate when you consider a New England winter. But the preceding days, it had been frigid. And so the day before, January 14th, a uh, ship came in, and it delivered a, a, a fresh load of molasses. Um, and in order for the uh, ship to transfer the molasses to the storage tank, Gary, they had to warm it because, you know, it, as you were mentioning, oh, it's viscosity, how yes. it takes forever when you try and pour it. So if you warm it, it tends to move a little faster. Of course, of course. So when that warm molasses from the ship, and I don't know how many pounds it was, but it was a substantial cargo load. I believe it was. Uh, hit the older, colder molasses that was already inside the tank. Mm. Uh, there was a thermal expansion, and the tank burst open and Ooh. collapsed. Oh, okay. Well, now going back to Bill Nye, the science guy, I remember an episode where he was talking about heat and cold. Cold mm -hmm. causes things to contract. Heat causes things to expand. And when you're talking about 24 million pounds of a substance, I don't know many metals that are going to withhold some problems like that. Oh, you can say that again. So this happened about uh, 30 minutes after noon. Um, people were on their lunch hours. Uh, witnesses uh, reported that they actually felt the ground shake. And you know what? When you're talking about 24 million 
of pounds of substance hitting the ground, I imagine it did shake. Uh, yeah. And it wasn't silent either. They heard it, a roar, what they described as a roar. And some people reported it as a tremendous crashing. Then they thought they heard something like a machine gun. And those were the rivets that uh, held the tank together or on its Oh, just shooting out all the over the rivets place? rivets shooting out of the tank. Woo! And you know uh, that could kill you. You get hit by an exploding rivet. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Something that's uh, shooting out that quickly from something, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. would be traveling as fast as a bullet. I remember uh, watching a couple of those U-boat um, uh, movies, and uh, you know, the U-boats are submerged uh, deep, and the mm -hmm. rivets start to shoot out, and you can hear them, blink, 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 you know. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so, uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty scary in and of itself. So we've got uh, we've got cascading molasses. We've got a tank shooting out rivets. Uh, a streetcar was even thrown off the tracks. Really? Yeah. And nearby buildings were just swept off their foundations and crushed by by all of this molasses. Yeah. Yeah. But you know that's not too hard to believe because we've seen buildings destroyed by floods. Sure. And I'm just. I'm, I got to pull up some pictures to kind of get a visual on this. Okay. I know it was a lot. Yeah, but uh, I'm I'm trying to think, you know, because when I think of these some of these tankers, I, I in my head, I guess I'm imagining, you know, like the water tanks that you mm -hmm, see mm -hmm. uh, in certain towns and stuff. Oh, this had to be or huge. silos huge. and stuff. This had to be huge. All right, let's see. I'm pulling up molasses floods on Google. Okay, and uh, several blocks were flooded uh, up to three feet. Now. You know, three feet of uh, molasses flooding, you're talking about the molasses coming up above your tires in your cars and your trucks. Or oh, your, yeah. You're talking about them coming up in, uh, above your tires. Uh, nothing was going to move in that mess. No, of course not. Now, um, there was an eyewitness reported in this uh, issue of the Boston Post that I'm looking at here. His name was Stephen Puleo, and uh, this is what he said. These are his words. Molasses waist-deep covered the street and swirled and bubbled about the wreckage. Here and there struggled a form, whether it was animal or human being, was impossible to tell. Oh, my gosh. Only an upheaval, a thrashing about in the sticky mass, showed where any life was. Horses died like so many flies on sticky flypaper. Oh, the more they struggled, the deeper in the mess they were ensnared. Human beings, men and women, suffered likewise. Wow. Can you imagine? Oh, that must have been horrifying. Watching I mean, people struggling in this almost like a liquid quicksand. Or like tar. Yeah. I think you know, like the La Brea tar pits, you know? Yeah. I'm looking at the footage, or not footage, but the photographs mm -hmm. uh, right now, and I'm telling you... Uh, it is a wide area. Oh yeah, a wide area of of just sticky molasses all over the place. Oh yeah, there was so much molasses it wouldn't just take up a couple blocks. That's I mean, sure. it's literally <clears throat> the, the whole whole area and the buildings. I mean, it's just absolute rubble. Now, this Boston Globe newspaper that I'm looking at said that people were picked up by a rush of air and hurled many feet. Really? Yeah. Others had debris hurled at them. A truck was picked up and hurled into the harbor. 
So that, that sounds like the explosion. Yeah. Uh, people were trapped uh, in the wave, and that made it even more difficult to rescue them. About 150 people were injured, 21 people and several horses killed. Uh, some were crushed and drowned by the molasses. Just yeah. imagine. Oh. So they have, uh, to give you a little bit of scale here, I'll, let me see if I can turn it around uh, so that you can see. Uh, they're showing what the silo looked like. Mm-hmm. Before, and uh, it's it's a fairly large silo. Let me see if I can turn this around without knocking stuff off the table. Okay. <clears throat> While uh, Gary is doing that, let me just uh, mention the the rescue efforts that got underway. Um, the Boston Police, the Red Cross, Army Navy personnel arrived soon. Some nurses from the res- Red Cross actually dived into the molasses, and then. Uh, they tried to tend to the injured. Uh, they tried to keep them warm. Uh, rescuers found it difficult to make their way through the syrup to help the victims. And after four days went by, they finally... Oh, I'm looking at the photo. Oh, my good grief. Yeah, that's... How giant else. that silo yeah, was. Yeah, and the horses are running away in oh terror. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Police officer. Um, yeah, the rescuers found it difficult to make uh, their way through that syrup. And... Uh, Four days had gone by before they finally stopped searching, and many of the dead, Gary, they were so glazed over in molasses that they were hard to recognize. Oh, my gosh. And there were other victims that were actually swept into Boston Harbor, and they weren't found until uh, three or four months later. It's it's kind of like, what, what was the name of that uh, eruption, uh, volcanic eruption that covered everybody in ash? Uh, Oh, Mount Vesuvius? No, no, no. Um, Vesuvius. Oh, Pom- um, Pompeii. Pompeii, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. where the, everybody was covered in ashes yeah, and they were frozen you know, in that, that situation. That, that's a great example from ancient history. Yeah, but instead of that, instead of these fossilized mummies, you had like candy-coated mummies. That's pretty much yeah. it. I mean, mm, literally yeah. preserved in sugar, yeah. glazed mummies. yeah. Yeah, and we can see them in their last moment of life, preserved yeah. forever. That's a great Well, yeah, exa- Pompeii, but uh, that's but this one, I mean. Great you know. example, great example from ancient history. Yeah. And this yeah. is, uh, you know, a modern-day event. That yeah, but with molasses. Related to that. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, the cleanup crews, they had to use salt water from a fireboat to wash oh, away the molasses yes. and sand to absorb it. And the harbor was brown with molasses until the summer. Now, remember, this was in January, so six months later, they were still dealing with uh, molasses. Uh, rescue workers and cleanup crews and sightseers, they had tracked the molasses, Gary, through the streets, and they spread it to the subway platforms, to the seats inside the trains and streetcars. I believe that. To the pay phones outside, into their homes. It, it, it was reported that everything that a Bostonian touched back then was sticky. I believe it. Isn't that I awful? Mean- now I have a list of Jiminy the people cricket. who were of the people who were killed in this, Gary. Uh-huh. And what I've done is I've singled a couple out based on age. The oldest victim was a fellow by the name of Michael Sinnott, and he was seventy-eight years old. Uh huh. And the youngest were two children, aged ten: Maria Distasio and Pasquale Iantasca. So the victims aged in, uh, ranged in age from 10 
to 78 years old. Then the other thing I found uh, interesting uh, was some of their professions. Uh, Bridget Clowardy, she was 65 and a homemaker, a housewife. She passed away. Yeah. Uh, then there was an unemployed man, Stephen Clowardy. He was 34. And then, believe it or not, there were two blacksmiths. Peter Francis, he was 64, and John Cyberlich, he was 69. Back then, they didn't have uh, Social Security, and they didn't have retirement or anything. Oh, no, so, no. I mean, people worked till they dropped. So two working blacksmiths in their 60s were among uh, the victims here. And I noticed there was a 17-year-old who was listed as a teamster. Now, we have another one, Ralph Martin. He was a driver, so I assume that was maybe a truck. I think the Teamsters refers to people who are driving, driving uh, horse-drawn wagons. Uh, weren't they part of the union? Uh, yeah, yeah. Eventually, uh, that covered, you know, truckers and things. But yeah. I think it started with the horse-drawn uh, wagons. So I think probably a horse and wagon and Eric Laird, who was 17, uh, got caught up in the uh, huge flood so uh, I tell you what, this is certainly uh, something unusual, something that nobody would wake up one morning and think this might happen today. Uh, nobody, nobody could picture a molasses flood. And I'll, I'll probably be safe to say right now, nobody who's listening to us or us included can picture a great molasses flood like this ever happening again. I, I honestly couldn't. But here, here's the thing. I think, uh, you know, if you're listening, uh, go ahead and put in Google, type in, you know, uh, the great Boston molasses flood. Type it in. I think you'll be shocked by the just the sheer devastation that it caused. But also to see, because they do have uh, photographs of the silo. That thing was mammoth. To, yeah. to imagine that that carried... That thing was in charge of holding all of that molasses mm -hmm. is unbelievable. And you know what? Like in my mind, like listening to you tell that story and visualizing it, I mean, I know that there's some people out there who are writers and do scripts and movies and stuff mm -hmm. like that who probably listen to our podcast. Uh, and, and thank you for being a part of that. Uh, if you're looking for some good story ideas, I mean, this is I it. I don't know how you would, uh, you know, be able to title that as a movie for TV or theatrical, whatever. But that would be an incredible movie to see. I mean, yeah. I mean, just the imagery that I'm visualizing in my head, uh, and I have a pretty vivid imagination. Uh, I mean, it would be a fascinating story to, to, to watch oh, unfold yeah. on the big screen. Potentially, it's a fabulous disaster movie, and it's... It would be a great disaster It's based film. on true events. It, it is. I mean, I, I could see that, and... Uh, I remember thinking to myself when I saw the book, I thought, oh, that seems a little bit far-fetched. But having uh, done the research and seen all of the photographs for myself and hearing the descriptions of what happened, holy cow. I mean, that's something else. I, you know, I have not seen, I have not personally seen a disaster movie like that ever. In some ways, it, the, the descriptions that I hear from it almost remind me of 
the blob, you know, yeah, that yeah. that gelatinous goop, mm-hmm. you know, that rolls over the town and is consuming people and they're all stuck and dissolving inside of it. Yeah, that's a I fictional mean, thing that uh, sounds awfully close to what really happened. Well, I mean, you know, the blob was an alien from outer space, mm-hmm. but aside from that, we're talking about this hot, sticky mass that just has... is does not have any discrimination as far as who it's going to envelop. Oh, I know. And then that the way you, you talked about how it, they said it was like uh, one of the descriptions described it as flies stuck in sticky paper. And I, yeah. I can see that in my head. I've yeah. seen those little sticky strips that you see at gas stations or mm-hmm. roadside uh, dining, and you see the little flies in there with their little legs you know, trying to get <laughs> out of the, the sticky paper. And to just like imagine people in that situation or animals or and not being vehicles. able to tell is that an animal you or is could, that a person that's because you're covered around. and if you and look, there's nothing I can do about it there's nothing you can't you can't do anything about it and they're just covered in that and if you've ever seen molasses because some people you know molasses was a big thing uh, at grandma and grandpa's house grandma Lewis uh, and uh, used molasses you know for pancakes and making cookies and stuff like that but if you haven't seen it or you've never experienced molasses it is dark. It is a very mm-hmm. dark brown, almost, in some cases, almost black. And it is incredibly sticky. So imagine seeing people or horses or vehicles or buildings covered in this blackish brown goo that's so mm-hmm. sticky it's like tar and you yeah. can't move your arms or legs and you're struggling to pull your... Oh, my gosh, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. Um, so anyways... <laughs> what you just said, mm-hmm. I hope that if there's a uh, producer connected with Universal Studios listening in, <laughs> this would be a great Universal Studios disaster oh, whoa, movie whoa. because then guess what? Huh. You could also create the Great oh, the Flood Disaster Ride there you go. <laughs> at the Universal theme park. Hey, and you know what? <laughs> they got rid of the Great Disaster Ride. So, you know, if they're looking for something new, yeah. instead, of, instead of being hit by water, this coming down in the subway, you can all be hit by molasses. This <laughs> is it. <laughs> coming down into the subway. Oh, Everybody comes out with little molasses in their hair. But on a, on a more serious note, as we wrap up uh, this evening, Gary, um, it just makes you uh, think that when you get up in the morning, uh-huh. uh, you should be thankful that you made it through the night, number one. Uh-huh. And number two, you should look forward to uh, making the most of that day because, you, I mean, nobody saw this coming. No. Nobody saw this as their <laughs> I, last day on earth. I seriously doubt anybody woke <laughs> up and thought, today's the day. I'm going to drown in I'm molasses. Drown molasses. <laughs> yeah, and so it just... It just makes you appreciate what you have yeah. and uh, put things in perspective. Hey, listen, if you uh, get stressed out on the job, mm-hmm. um, what does it matter when uh, compared to some event like this? Oh, my gosh, yeah. And so, uh, you know, just put everything in perspective and uh, just enjoy your each and every day and make each mm-hmm. and every day a productive one. Yeah. And you can't go wrong. A little bit of advice. Uh, we don't share too much advice, but a little bit of advice yeah, to our yeah, folks that we true. that we dearly appreciate having mm-hmm. with us each and every week. Because who knows, maybe you would uh, you could be caught in a flood of marshmallow fluff or <laughs> a sea of hot chocolate. You know what, though? If a sea of hot chocolate came, I think there'd be uh, quite a few of us running out there. <laughs> Uh, I'm a I'm a big chocoholic, so if I have to go, I'll go that way. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, well, or pizza. If there was a flood of pizza, I don't think I'd complain about that. 
No, well, uh, we'll deal with the mess later. But uh, <laughs> send me a you know a wave of cheese sauce and pepperoni. I'll be fine. There you go. There I'll make go. do. I'll eat my way out of it. Well, anyhow, uh, <laughs> it, uh, sometimes incredible stories are so incredible that it's hard to believe they're true. And I know. what I have learned just moments ago, uh, while we were involved in this podcast, uh, is the fact that this does have uh, a precedent set in ancient history i mean that has to have been very very similar well it was ash not molasses but everything else about the two stories is almost identical well i i think when you know when they said that they came back and they found uh bodies that were glazed over that because yeah. that yeah. sugar once that sugar uh cools and hardens i mean it's it's a shell yeah and so you're finding these literally fossilized bodies that are stuck to the street frozen in the last few minutes of their lives because of this flood i mean that's that to me that's pretty horrific but because yeah. uh, and it very much very much so uh, in the the same way that you know people had no time to leave pompeii when the volcano erupted and they just covered themselves and their children they were covered in ash and it it froze them like cement in in that spot and you know anybody who goes there can see those people who are still there to this day stuck in that one spot Let's end on a positive note and yeah. <laughs> remind everybody that today is not the day when a wall of molasses is going to come crashing right. down on your village. Thank, thank goodness for that. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, <clears throat> until next time. I'm Richard. I'm Gary. And this truly was an incredible story. Oh, watch out. Here comes the chocolate. <laughs>